the word non-binary wasn't something that was common in my experience growing up. But as soon as it came to be a word we've we've like now all heard about and you get a sense for what they're saying it means, you're like, yeah, I have that experience. I have that feeling. I just never had a word for it. But it's always been there. And I totally get what that word means because that's me. So I totally get it. Hi, my name is Harriet. I'm a lesbian woman living on Wurundjeri country, and I'm the artist development manager at Midsummer Festival. I'd like to begin by acknowledging the lands on which this podcast episode was recorded, the Brakalung lands of the Gunai Kurnai Nation, and pay my respects to elders past and present. I would also like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the various lands on which you live, work and play today, and acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded. We recognise the important role that art has played on these lands for thousands of years and feel privileged to work alongside artists continuing the creative practice of one of the oldest surviving cultures in the world. Always was, always will be. The episode you're about to hear is with Emily. Emily is a polyamorous pansexual who lives with various disabilities, which make their life in sale, quote, weird and wonderful and complicated and interesting. In this episode, Emily discusses what it was like for them growing up as someone who was clearly different and how that has shaped their life. They speak about the open curiosity they have for other humans and the ways they have been able to connect with community. Emily is open about the ways that their chronic illness and mental health have affected their life and also some of the barriers that people living with disability face when trying to connect with communities or interests outside of the traditional. Trigger warnings for this episode include chronic illness, bullying and mental health. My name's Emily. My pronouns are they, she. Um, I am polyamorous pansexual. I uh, have a cat and a dog and various disabilities which make life weird and wonderful and complicated and interesting but yeah I get out and do what I can Mm. and so you live in sale at the moment yeah how long have you been in sale I moved in about 2001 to sale and I've lived away at a couple of different points for a couple of years but the rest of the time I've come back to sale and been there ever since so and I've been where I am now for about six years so finally made it a home COVID, uh, the whole coronavirus period of time and you know everyone being at home more it gave me a real opportunity to not have to keep up with everything and I could just make my house more comfortable and peaceful and it's yeah turned into a really comfortable place now which is good. Mm, do you live alone? Yeah 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 yeah, works better that way and it just means I can make the whole place comfortable how I like it. Yeah. Yeah, nice and peaceful. Beautiful. And tell me about sale. Like, what's it like to live there? It's got lots of little naturey, you know, beautiful trees, lakes, bushwalks. Um, I've been getting out a lot lately for bushwalks and in the fresh air and stuff, and that's been really nice. Always finding new, you know, bushwalky secret type places that I never knew were there, so there's yeah, always more to discover, which is really cool. And yeah, so a really interesting group of people that are, you know, artsy and yeah, 
yeah, some pretty cool people around. So you grew up in Sale? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Yeah, apart from primary school. When I was in primary school, I lived in Yarram, which is like only an hour away from Sale. Mm. What are some of the challenges you faced um, living in a regional area of Australia? Well, it's hard to know what's a regional issue and, you know, compared to the city, if I didn't grow up in the city, I don't know how different it is. But I know, you know, being a growing, I mean, I was born late 80s, but, you know, growing up in the 90s in early primary school and things, there was definitely a lot of challenges to do with not quite grasping the complexity of learning disabilities and invisible disability and um, assumptions made based on what a physical disability would look like and that, you know, made things pretty challenging. But these days we're learning a lot more about, you know, the how complicated invisible disabilities can be and how exhausting they can be. So that's really nice that that's changing. But that, yeah, made life pretty difficult living in a rural area just having I don't know whether that's rural or whether that's just complicated situations no matter where you are are going to be difficult to keep up with. Mm. So how, how far have we come do you think how far has society come since you were younger to where you're at now and see I love where we're at now like mm. people like things like social media they can be used for negative purposes if you're a bully you're going to go out of your way to make it a bullying space but for me, like going from a small town where, you know, there's a lot of churches and a lot of people with old traditional values and, and old traditional hobbies and, you know, that kind of thing that are a little bit uncomfortable or just uncertain to talk about things that they're not familiar with to, you know, a space like social media where everyone with every which kind of fun hobby can talk about the things they're interested in. I think it's the greatest thing for connection and learning about things and and just getting clarity on what you already know you're experiencing but don't have the words for. So I think it's a great thing because, you know, I got bullied a lot in primary school, so I'm not going to use the internet as a bullying space. Mm. So I think it, it can be used for great things. So I think we've come a really long way and I can really see how much better it's going to get. Um, it's, yeah, a really empowering space now, people identifying things they've kind of already known but didn't have the words for and now they understand what they were feeling um it's kind of giving a lot of us the ability to kind of stand up to what we already know because now we have the words to go no I know what I'm feeling and there's less uncertainty to say you know you might be uncertain about what I'm feeling and what I'm experiencing but I'm okay with you being uncertain now because I know what I'm feeling and I know what I need to do to take care of myself. There must have been so, I guess, yeah, clarifying but liberating as well to find other, yeah, the language, the feeling understood. Yeah, from, yeah, exactly. Like you yeah. said, you knew it inside but not having the ways to describe it. Yeah, and realising there's so many people that have the similar experiences and they've found words that they call it, you know, it might be a funny made-up word that they use it, but when you hear it, you're like, you know exactly what they're saying. Like, yes, that majorly happens to me too. I totally get what you're saying. So, mm. yeah. Growing up sounds, you know, bullying. In- yeah, um, and I think, um, yeah, I did get bullied pretty bad. I, I don't know, it's interesting that I got bullied so bad so I'm so anti getting angry at anybody else. Now I was very angry for a very long time. I'm probably just a little bit too old and tired to get angry now, but 
I kind of look at understanding why people get distressed, like they're taking in so much information that they don't have enough information to understand what they're, what input they're they're having to learn, and you know, I can kind of understand why it was the way it was. Um, so I don't, yeah, I feel a lot better about it than I used to. That's for sure. And how old were you, or roughly, what age were you when you started exploring? your sexuality and thinking well i kids are interesting creatures they they notice things you know they're super curious and they notice things that are different than what they're familiar with and we can get distressed when we're learning something we're not familiar with and we don't have educational we don't have anyone around us that's familiar with something new to go oh that's what this is this is just this thing it's nothing to be stressed about nothing to be worried about so we can get pretty distressed. So I got outed essentially when I was about nine because the kids were noticing my vibe was a little bit different to theirs because they were a bunch of what would grow up to be mostly straight kids and I wasn't going to grow up to be a straight kid and I was noticing this energy with myself but being that young I don't know what that energy is yet until you can reflect and look back and see what that energy feels like that you now know what it is. I'm like, ah, I was realising that's how I was different to them. So I, I was starting to realise around nine years old that I wasn't straight. And by about 13, I started to figure out what it was. <laughs> but, you know, then it's a long journey of, you know, figuring out where that fits into the rest of your life and how you can, you know, be yourself and feel comfortable in your skin more and more. And is that where social media helped you to figure, figure things out a bit more? I think it's been more in recent years that it's turned into a positive thing because there was many years where, you know, being that young, coming from a small town that seems, seemed quite uncomfortable with those kinds of conversations and those things because the people were obviously, if that was their experience, they weren't comfortable to talk about it or they were just completely unfamiliar with it. So they didn't really know how to talk to anybody about it or talk to the kids about it, that it did feel like quite an unsafe place to be and um, unsafe thing to explore in yourself so I did that sort of what really impacted the mental health is you know you're watching the news and you're seeing you know violence against people who are queer and that massively brought out the fighter in me that wants to protect people and you know that that did affect my mental health quite a lot knowing I'm growing up in a place that's quite dangerous to people like me but now that I know who I am, I can't not be that person. That is just who I am. Oh, no, that means I'm not safe. People are going to... or if. But I grew up in a female body that was also disabled. So I also have the fortunate experience of people having a lot of empathy and, and kind of kindness towards me. So I'm not one of those people that unfortunately has the more unsafe experience in a lot of ways. But it made me really protective of other people <laughs> going, mm. oh, people I care about are going to experience a lot of violence in their life. And that's really, really distressing. So that sucked. But it made mm. me become to at least contemplate how I can be more of an advocate and make the world a safer place for everybody. Mm. So tell me about that. Did it take you on a certain trajectory, that that feeling of wanting to? That, you know, the experience of being queer or and neurodivergent and... As I'm getting older, things like domestic violence experiences in a small town, not 
really being something that anybody has a real big grasp on how to protect people from or manage or, you know, support people in that experience. It, it's all those areas that I kind of grew up wanting to know how to have the answers and how to support people to get through those sorts of experiences. So I've sort of put myself in spaces to learn if there's anything I can do to learn how to help all those sort of areas. Mm. Yeah. Which kind of, they all end up intersecting in for some people. So, yeah, that's been really nice when you meet people that have had similar experiences from various different angles. Mm. So tell me about your, um, the community that you've been able to connect with in order to feel understood and safe and like you can freely express who you are. Well, I, I mean, I don't get out too much, so I don't have a huge close circle that I see a lot of. But one of the things I love about the the community of being queer or just being people who are for whatever reason outcast a little bit um, is we, I don't feel like, and I know a lot of people have this experience, we're not necessarily close friends with everybody, but you know who you can trust. You, you can get a sense for who's a good person and you can connect with them enough to say, we might not see each other every day. We might not be close friends, but if you need anything, you, you can give me a call. Let me know if you need anything. I am somebody you can feel safe with. So, you know, um, if I'm having a rough day and I, you know, with my mental health issues or chronic health issues and I'm just bursting into tears in public just because it's me and it's just going to happen occasionally. It's just one of those days. It doesn't mean everything's terrible. It's just me and it just happens. I have got these random, almost strangers that I know that I'm safe with. So it's going from being a kid and not feeling safe just about anywhere because you're too different for people to be comfortable to talk about validating who you are to having all these people that you know there's all these random faces that can make you feel safe and accept you and you know you know you're not alone at least which is really cool growing up knowing you know going from feeling lonely to knowing you're not alone anymore which is pretty cool Mm. so social media lately has been a really positive experience for you yeah Yeah. exactly because you connect with all these people that you know live in your town even if you don't see them every day and you know they're people you can reach out to, you know, that they're still safe people around you. Mm. Yeah. And has your personal identity changed over over time and evolved? Um, well, sort of. I think it's more discovering what was already there and just finding a word for it, you know. Like it, the word non-binary wasn't something that was common in my experience growing up but as soon as it came to be a word we've we've like now all heard about and you get a sense for what they're saying it means you're like yeah I have that experience I have that feeling I just never had a word for it but it's always been there and I totally get what that word means because that's me so I totally get it um like you know and growing up you know we knew of the words gay lesbian and bisexual and I knew I was at least bisexual but what I didn't know because they're living in a community with not a huge amount of diversity there wasn't a whole lot of trans representation where I grew up and then I've grown up to meet people who are gender non-conforming and seeing a lot of amazing humans that are gender non-conforming and then becoming more familiar with what um, 
pansexual means and just meeting all these awesome humans and going, that's my word. Bisexual was not my word. Pansexual is most definitely a better representation for who I love, how I love, who I am as a person. So that was a really cool thing to meet cool humans and go, yeah, I get this. You're awesome. Tell me about what pansexual means to you. Um, This is where I don't want to tell a story and accidentally have it be insensitive in any way to someone who experiences life differently to me, but I'll tell the story and hope that, you know, nobody finds it offensive in any way because I absolutely don't mean it to be, but I... And it's one of these things where you're worried that it is, but it's potentially absolutely not offensive. You just don't know because it's not your experience. So you just don't know. Um, but I I used to go to the um, Equal Love Marriage Equality rallies every year for like 10 years. And there was this person there that was in this beautiful dress and was quite clearly a gender non-conforming person that presented in a way that was different than I'd ever grown up seeing before. And just their personality, their heart, the way they treated their friends, just the, their whole essence inside and out was just the most beautiful thing I ever felt. And I'm like, you are the coolest person. I would be so proud to take you home and go, how lucky am I to get to date this person? If, you know, as if I ever would, but, you know. <laughs> as if they would ever want to date me but you know they were just such a cool person and I'm just like I don't I, I mean I was aware that some people are I mean I've always had friends that were a little bit uncomfortable with things that people might judge them for so you know I kind of knew that that's an experience that person would have experienced and that I would experience but I'm just like no nah, I don't care that is just such an awesome human I will I wish I could get to know someone like that they're mm. just such a beautiful kind human inside and out I was just that blew my mind to meet somebody just that awesome wow oh no well I didn't actually even meet them I just saw them talking to their friends I went I so want to get to know that person did you get to know them no (laughs) I was too shy (laughs) like talking to anybody you you have a crush on you're like you know Mm, I mean maybe if you have more experience than me but you know I get really dorky it's it's lame no I, I I get it totally get it yeah Do you feel that you, I mean, are you embodying what you felt attracted to in that person now? Like, do you feel that's in you and you can be what you admired? Definitely more than ever. Um, But I think struggling with my chronic illnesses and things like that and, you know, the grief you feel from, from such challenging things in childhood being so exhausting on your physical health can take a really long time to heal from. So I kind of think my physical health is kind of taking away my ability to really get out there and connect with more people. But it's also just the experience of it being difficult, having to explain to people how my various different illnesses uh, present and seem and the misunderstandings and misperceptions people have of what my experience as a disabled person is like just makes getting to know people for the most part really exhausting so it's I I kind of I get okay with that and just be you know you're not going to get along with everybody but once in a blue moon you're just going to meet an awesome human who is completely okay with who you are just gets you 
and they're the person you connect with. So I'm really embracing not having this set idea of, you know, how I want my life to turn out because life never turns out exactly how you want it to. It's going to turn out however it happens to end up turning out. You just do your best to roll with it. So I'm trying to embrace my really, really random happenstance version of that because for me things are pretty complicated that things just don't turn out how I want them to. But I'm... Mm. It's improving my chronic illness, being able to accept that, <laughs> which is good. Acceptance, yeah. Yeah. Where, where were you when the Marriage Equality Act was... Uh, when it became legal? Yeah. Uh, in- I was in sale. Very exciting. I still have a memory of um, one of the government buildings there. They There was a night around that time where they lit up the building in, like, rainbow colours. And I don't know how to describe that, but it was like... You know, the government saying we care about the safety of these people, we care about them feeling included and welcome. Like, that's just the assumption I'm making from, you know, coloured lights existing. Like, it made me feel better to assume that's why they're doing it. And I had never felt like I fit in so much there than when they did that. Mm. So, yeah, that made me feel the best. I think that was the first time where I really started to feel comfortable living in my community here. Because before that, you know, I was, you know, that cliche young person that's always wanting to escape and, mm. you know, never happy where they are. Just, you know, the few, the thing I'm looking for is always out of my reach kind of thing. But no, now I'm very happy where I am. Mm. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So you're yeah. feeling that sense of you belong here. Yeah. Or I can create. It's safe enough. Mm-hmm. I'm embraced enough here yeah. to make it my home and make me belong here more because it's already feels safe enough now to stay. Mm, yeah. What do you think the wider community needs to do more to understand people who are living with disability and are also queer? Well, I am super interested in like psychology and things. So my personal answer to that is always to learn about how your own mind works and how our emotions protect us and how our emotions can make us react in certain ways that can divide us more than bring us together. And to understand that our minds are, are just trying to look after us and keep us safe, but don't always do the most effective job at it. So to to do be as kind as you, you can to yourself, but keep doing your own work to understand how your emotions might be making your own life harder and making connecting with new and unfamiliar things even harder than it is to learn about something new. So it's kind of like a personal responsibility. Yep. Mm. What does a perfect queer world look like to you? Um, To me, that's where in, say, primary school we start to, and this is, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not sure how to explain it, Mm. but I mean, because I don't want anybody to stress about, you know, what their children are being taught, but I want everybody to feel safe to, have us being taught in primary schools about emotional responsibility and emotional safety and and respectful communication in a different way than we get taught about it. So it's like a, you know, kids are really smart. They get things a lot more than we give them credit for. So I would love to see us teaching more psychology and emotional intelligence and communication in primary schools because I think that will help us growing up being able to communicate about things we're unfamiliar with and being able to acknowledge somebody else's emotions and being able to understand our own emotions and talk about new things without 
getting so distressed about it. Mm. Yeah, that's, and that's something that was missing from a lot of people's, you know, primary yeah. school education. Something yeah. we hadn't quite mm. figured out how to do yet. And I think yeah. we've almost got enough information now to start kind of brainstorming how we could do that. Mm. Yeah, I guess that ties into the question of what hopes do you have for the next generation of, of LGBTQIA plus people? And how do we improve the regional queer experience for them? Have you got any thoughts on that? I would love to just see more. Well, this is a regional thing. I would love to see more disabled people, disabled queer people regionally being able to experience more aspects of different queer experiences that we don't necessarily have the access to because we don't know where to find them. We don't know how to articulate it. We might have communication barriers. We might have barriers towards, you know, we as disabled people, we may have to ask support workers or people like that to help us find these things that we're looking for. And if they're uncomfortable learning about those things, they might be a bit unsure about how to help us find those. But if, you know, I'd love to see it being a little less taboo to talk about. I want to learn about this thing. I want to have this experience. Can you find me a safe place? Can you help me find a safe place where I can learn about, you know, this kind of kink or, you know, this other kind of experience so I can open my my wider range of friends so I can connect more with people I actually have more in common with. Um, because, you know, that will dramatically increase health and well-being and all sorts of things. Where do you feel the most pride or the most able to be your authentic self? In any kind of queer space, really, you know, um, especially a disabled queer space, because we're so excited to meet other people that have similar interests that we've never met enough people. You know, if you're going out for a, out for dinner with a group of strangers and nine out of ten of them aren't into the same types of thing as you, you're not really going to have a conversation about it because you've already seen they're not really interested in that subject. But if you've got a specific group of disabled queer people, we're all really excited to go, yes, I'm into that subject too. What do you know about it? What can you teach me? What, you know, what's your experience been like? So that's a really fun space to get to talk about things that we want to see more of and brainstorm ways that we can make that happen for more people. Uh, Was there someone or something that inspired you as you were growing up to accept who you are or understand your queerness? I don't remember a particular idol or anything like that 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 was a positive experience. I remember a few negative experiences that got me quite feisty and protective of people and like that person shouldn't have had to feel ashamed for just being the lovely human that they are I'm gonna you know and and being so bullied for something that I knew I couldn't help and I I just innately knew I didn't deserve it and that I wasn't doing anything wrong and I'm not a horrible person so it kind of just naturally made me pretty defensive to um to take those negative experiences I'd seen on the news of other people being treated badly. And so the sort of the negative experiences just became the the idols that I remember. So it was like a driving force yeah, to spur on your, I guess, yeah. your um, innate feeling of justice and yeah. 
Like if they had to go through these sad things that they ended up experiencing, you know, and I saw the the worldwide effect that some of those things had where so many groups would get together and create this purpose of creating more kindness in the world because we were so devastated that this thing happened to these innocent people that just that effect of that collective kindness thing gathering together all these strangers to create more kindness and and, and self-love on the, in the world, that was really powerful for me. Mm. Kindness is powerful movement, hey? Yeah, definitely. Mm. Uh, what would you tell your teenage self? The people who can accept you and love you know that you're so bold and so emotional and so feisty because of who you are and how much love you have to give. And the reason you might feel in so much emotional pain is because you've got such a big heart and you care about people so much. So it's not a sign that you're doing so many things wrong and that, you know, you're just a broken human that just isn't, you know, just doesn't know how to be a human very well. It's like actually you're in pain because you've got such a big heart and you do have so much capacity for creating positive things in the earth and you will do it without even knowing. Like you don't have to try to be that person. You already are. You just stress so much about having to achieve it without realising you can't not be who you are. Beautiful. (laughs) What does pride mean to you? To me it's... Well, for me, it's self-respect, self-love and and having pride in myself and not needing to prove it to someone else and understanding that their journey to understand things are unfamiliar within the world is their journey and their experience about learning about new things. It's not a reflection of me. So I focus on my being proud of myself and living in the world and existing in peace and harmony with myself as just a, you know, me thing. I don't feel anymore like I'm having to prove my worth to anybody else. What does family, what does the word family mean to you? Gosh, that's a big question. I don't know if I know how to articulate that exactly. Um, Like learning, having people that fundamentally want to, want you to feel safe and and connected and want to understand you and ideally a group of people who accept each other being on their own process doing their best to learn and grow and evolve and that all take care of each other take care of themselves well enough to do a good job respecting where each other's at and keep yourself safe while respecting that everybody else is doing their best as quickly as they can to to learn and grow. Would you like to pick a question out of the question bowl? Ooh, absolutely. What is a man? Ooh, I like this question. Can I articulate my thoughts on it, though? Um, if you've heard people talk about everyone's got masculine and feminine energies and what is it we're a soul existing in a human body and I think we all have a unique makeup of how much masculine and feminine energy we have and there's an infinite infinite way that that can present ourselves and there's 
that's such a big question in the way that I think about it. I barely even know how to explain mm-hmm. it. But I don't think anybody should judge how anybody else choose anybody else feels is best to express themselves in their being because the evolution to me and every expression of energy is made up of so many different insights and wisdom and experiences that to get from A to B from any any place to another place is so many experiences that I don't think anybody can say you should be this and you should become this or so I think however anybody feels is best to present themselves is just the gift that they've been given with the soul that they got for this lifetime and I think any which way you feel authentically to present if as long as the way you're going about existing isn't harmful to anybody else is beautiful and individual and unique and is exactly how it's meant to be. (laughs) That's gorgeous. I love that. (laughs) I like how, yeah, that's beautiful. What are your plans for the rest of the day? Uh, My dog's pretty annoyed that I didn't bring her out and about with me today because she had a pretty good day yesterday exploring nature and going on a bushwalk. So she was just insistent that I must be going somewhere super exciting today too, but decided to leave her home because the cats get, cat gets pretty annoyed with me when I take the dog too many places. Really? She's my friend too. Leave her at home so I can hang out with her. Aww. So she, the cat stops talking to me if I take the dog too, on too many days away. Mm. I have to leave the dog home to hang out with the cat for a bit before the cat will talk to me again. <laughs> so I'll go home and yeah. make sure they're make keeping up. the house in order. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for having me this podcast is released every tuesday and friday and could not have been possible without the support of our local community partners midsummer and the fair of victoria portfolio of the victorian state government throughout the series you will hear firsthand the successes hopes dreams fears and struggles of diverse members of our community Pride Finder, the Rainbow Road Trip, was a travelling project commissioned during the 2023 Midsummer Festival as part of the State Government's initiative, Victoria's Pride. Helen Thomas, an award-winning creative audio producer, journalist and queer ally, developed a mobile story studio with the purpose of encouraging connection, cultivating empathy and preserving people's experiences. As much of Victoria's queer history relies on verbal recount, Midsummer, Helen and the Pride Finder connected with regionally living LGBTQIA Victorians to help capture their unique stories. These conversations are frank, honest, and reflect the language, thoughts, history, and opinions of the individual. Views may not be shared by Midsummer or the Victorian State Government. Please keep yourself safe and refer to the show notes for specific triggers related to each episode. If something in this podcast has made you feel uncomfortable or brought up challenging feelings, please seek support from a loved one or from one of the helplines listed at the bottom of the show notes. 